Wow, you guys just quieted down on your own and <laughs> went back to your seats on your own? I, wow. Thank you. All right, let's begin. Um, just one announcement before we move into prayer. Uh, James Arthur has asked to be baptized, and he and I have had several um, conversations about what that means. We, we spent some time talking about how baptism is not the next step in your Christian journey. Baptism is the last step. Because, but what baptism symbolizes is dying to yourself and being raised and saying, I am all in for Jesus. And when he could get to the point of saying, I understand that, and I'm with you, I want to be baptized, then we said, okay, we're going to do this. And so we haven't set a date yet, but I am letting you know that if you are thinking about this, um, come talk to me. I'd love to be part of that conversation with you as you process um, what this step would mean for you if you have not taken it. Um, so please keep that in mind. And um, I will let you know when we do have a date so that you can set that aside and make sure that you are supporting our, our brother in his walk. Okay, let's pray. Lord, first of all, I, I bless you. You are worthy as we have sung. It is because of you that we are here. And it is a privilege to know you. It is a gift to be your child. And I thank you for each person in this room and the ways that you are at work in each one's life. Lord, we honor you and we honor your work here among us, individually and corporately. We, we see it in James and say thank you for that and look forward to seeing that, that time where he goes through what is almost a, a wedding ceremony and commits and says, I do. And in another sense, goes through a funeral and says, I'm dying to myself and I will be raised to life in Christ. And, and we celebrate your good work in his life and say thank you. Or would you do that over and over again? Would you make us people who live our baptism? Would you make us people who, who are constantly remembering that we said yes to you without qualification? And in doing so, what we have received far outweighs what it costs. Because you are good. So thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Would you bring your word alive to us this morning? Would you sensitize us to the voice and leading of your spirit? Would you grant us discernment? Would you grant us understanding? Would you grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened? Would you lead us? that we may bless you, that we may live our baptism, our all-in yes. Yes, Lord. Still yes. After all these years, still yes. And still thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you know us by name. Thank you that you are committed to the long haul. Thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We trust that now and that you will be at work. May only your words remain by the end of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Where do you find a cat with no legs? right where you left it. <laughs> We're picking up right where we left off. I hope you have been tracking 
um, meaning I hope that you have heard the last couple messages because we're picking up where we left off. I'm only going to recap briefly and then we're moving on. Let me, let me trace the thread that we have been working with. In John 10, there's a circle that surrounds Jesus. And they pick up stones to stone him because they don't like the direction that he is going and what he is saying. We've been asking ourselves, where are we in relation to that circle? Are we inside the circle with Jesus? Or are we around the circle with the rest of the world, including the religious leaders? This has been a huge theme, not only picked up in John 10, but then in John 15. But before I illustrate John 15, or maybe in order to illustrate John 15, let's first look at Mark 13. Okay. Mark 13 is part of a very long speech that Jesus gives his disciples. And in verse 9, he says, Be on your guard, for they will hand you over to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. That testimony is very important. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. And when they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you at that time, for you are not the one speaking, but it is the Holy Spirit. That's going to be very important because that's going to get picked up in John 15 and 16. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. And a father will betray his child, and uh, children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by everyone because of my name, which also gets picked up in John 15. But it is the one who endures to the end who will be saved. So now let's go to John 15. You, you want to follow the, the distinction that Jesus is making between himself, his followers, and their role and their relationship to the rest of the world, to that outer circle. And so Jesus, we, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus in John 15, 18 says, the world is going to hate you precisely because I chose you out of that exterior circle and put you inside, into the middle of the circle. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. So verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it has hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, because you're not in the world, the world hates you. Now remember what I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they put me in the middle of the circle, they will do the same to you. So what he is saying. Now he's going to go on and develop um, and take from the scriptures that this, this distinction, the world is going to hate you. He goes on for a little bit, but then he says, don't worry, I'm going to send someone to help you as you are in the middle of the circle because your job is to speak on my behalf. And that is why he sends the helper. Verse 26 of chapter 15, when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth. His job is to bring out truth and to make sure that his followers speak the truth. And he will testify about me. And you'll be testifying about me as well because you've been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, 16 verse 1, that you would not be led into sin. They will ban you from the synagogue. Yet an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that that person committing that is actually offering a service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father nor known me. Let's, let's stop there. The connection, I don't think I made this very clearly last week, and I apologize if I did not, if it wasn't clear to you. The connection I was making last week between this passage and what we went through in COVID was that in this passage, the, the, the very reason that people are in the middle of the circle and or around the circle as opposed to taking the step, step of going into the middle of the circle is because of fear. 
They will not go into the middle of the circle and identify with Jesus because of fear. And that's what Jesus warns about. He says, I don't want you to fear the response of the world and therefore be led into sin and therefore not identify with what I am saying and what I am doing and not doing your job and testifying by the spirit of truth that I will give you. That's the argument being made. And we saw this happen during COVID where we were led by fear. Fear of disease, fear of the majority, the people around the circle, and the fear of the cost. And I'm telling you, I was around that circle as much as anyone else. I was going exactly... I, I was navigating COVID with the majority. So I got vaccinated twice and one booster. Okay? I was tracking the whole way. So I'm speaking from firsthand experience uh, of going with the majority and it being done in fear. Now we shared this story last week and it is so crucial for our community that God has put 10 exclamation points behind it. And so I am going to repeat it. As we were moving, making our way through COVID, um, Kevin Bender and I would regularly, we, each month we would get together to prepare for a council meeting because that's the pastor and moderator's job to get the council agenda in order. And as the Spirit was starting to do new things in our congregation, we, we said, we have to make sure that as spiritual leaders, we have our fingers on the pulse of what God is doing here, lest we not keep the main thing the main thing. Because God was speaking in ways, he was healing people, he, he was do, he, there was deliverances, there were things that were happening that were brand new to us. They're not, they're not new to this, but sadly, they were new to us. Okay, So, we're noticing the Lord is doing new things. And, and we were noticing that Joel in particular had, Joel Cadu, had, had his finger on the pulse of what the Lord was doing at Unity. And so we said, Joel, come join our, our, our meeting so that it's not so much about prepping an agenda for a council meeting anymore as making sure that we as the spiritual leaders of this community have our finger on the pulse of what God is doing. So this became our habit. Month after month after month, we started this right near the beginning of COVID. And one day Joel comes to us and says, I'm getting this from the Lord that I shouldn't get vaccinated. There's pressure being put, put on him. He says, I submit this to you guys. I want you to pray about this and come back to me. And he wanted to get vaccinated. We go, we go away, we, well, we pray in the moment, but then we go away, we take a month, and we, we say, we come back to him and say, Joel, like, we don't understand this, but to the best of our understanding, it, we, we believe this is actually from the Lord. Don't know why. I don't know what to do with it. Joel's like, oh, crap. Um, but he followed through with that. And it cost him his job. We think it's just for him. I do. We go on month, month after month after month. We get together for, for our regular lunch. What's the spirit doing? Keep the main thing the main thing. Where are we seeing God at work in, in the congregation? And, and then Joel comes to us a number of months later and shares this vision of the whistle that I shared with you last week. He shared with you last week. The whistle is deeper than what I am going to share, and I am only sharing part of it as we only did last week, uh, as we did last week as well. It's only part. It's deeper than this. But the gist of it was, there are two men in the field, in the vision. In conversation, one of them says to the other, hold on, did you just hear a whistle? And the other guy says, no, didn't hear a thing. They keep the conversation going, 
And then the first guy says again, I just heard a whistle. Did you not hear that whistle? Second guy says, no, I, I didn't hear a whistle. I don't know what you're talking about. And they leave the conversation and both of them are confused. One guy says, I know what I heard. I heard a whistle. And the other guy says, well, my ears are working because I can hear my friend, but I don't hear this whistle. I don't know what you're talking about. And Joel comes to us and says, I'm hearing a whistle in what is happening in our world and the way we're handling COVID. We're like, I'm not hearing what you're hearing, dude. But he had enough of a track record as the Lord had been doing things among us over the last number of years that we didn't immediately dismiss it. We just said, as you should do with a prophetic word, you pray about it, you weigh it, you revisit it. So we, so we did all of those things. We left it for a month. We set our, council me- our, our date for our council meeting, so then we set our, our date for our lunch. We get together, um, we're up in Lacombe, we, we get together for lunch, and as always happens, when, when you make a, an appointment with someone, he gets together, you chat, you have small talk, you catch up, and then you get to the things you want to talk about. And I had set this meeting specifically to talk about the whistle. And when we get to that agenda item to talk about it and say, hey, Joel, have you got anything more? Like, we don't understand what this thing is about. Any clarification from you? A train whistle blows. A train whistle blows not at the beginning, but as we're in the conversation about a whistle. And we look at each other and we go, interesting, maybe God is in this thing. We do the same thing a month later, and the same thing happens a month later. When we get to talking about the whistle, a train whistle blows again. And we're living out the parable itself, the image itself. So as much as we've now heard audible train whistles blow twice as we're talking about the, a parable about the whistle, we're going, but I don't, I don't see what it is that you're talking about. I don't hear what it is that you're talking about. I don't understand what you're saying might be going wrong with how we're handling COVID. I don't get it. So we walked away from the conversation like the parable, still confused. One guy saying, I know what I'm hearing, something's wrong. And another person, another group saying, I don't, I don't hear it. And the problem I now have is that God has twice confirmed supernaturally that this is important enough for him to, to blow a whistle in the moment about the whistle. So I have a problem. I now have to pray about it a little bit more. And I start doing my prayers about it, and I'm not hearing a lot. I'm hearing a little bit. I'm not going to get into those things. Not a lot. I'm not, I'm not seeing this. So I, I don't understand what you're talking about. And then as I shared last week, he used the words from my sermon against me where he said, you are going to have to develop the discipline to hear the whistle if you don't have the gift of hearing it like I do. And then I was... I was so frustrated by that, but um, it helped. And so what I started doing was digging. I dug into scripture, specifically Revelation, specifically chapters two and three, seven churches, and specifically chapter 13. The thing that you need to know about Revelation is that it's not all about one set of events at the, at the end of time. It's about patterns that get repeated through church history. And so as, as you see the image of a beast and the image of a false prophet, and the, the, these are not simply things that are going to happen one time at the end and had no application for John in his period or us in our period. They're they're patterns that get repeated through time. So we have to be aware of that. So I I understood that. I came to that a little bit more naturally. Revelation was hugely helpful in developing the discipline of hearing that something was going wrong in our culture 
in the ways that we were handling COVID. I had that. And then I shared with you, Bonhoeffer was hugely, hugely helpful, especially if you get his book, Letters and Papers from Prison. There's an essay at the beginning. It's only maybe 10, 15 pages long. And he's reflecting on 10 years of Nazi Germany and the ways that the, the effects that, that that had on their community. I shared some of that last week. I'm not going to get into it. I read a couple Bonhoeffer biographies as well. They were hugely, hugely helpful in noticing parallels. So as I make parallels between Nazi Germany and World War II and then what happens here, it isn't arbitrarily as though I just jumped on this from social media or something. I've been reading Bonhoeffer. I, as I said the other week, was noticing parallels that were happening in our world with what is going on in the way that all this LGBTQ+, plus, et cetera, et cetera, stuff is being pushed by all of the powerful in our world. And I saw, I heard a whistle in that. Something's wrong. And then I noticed that there were some very stark parallels between the way that was operating in our culture and the way our culture was handling COVID. You do your digging. It was happening in media, institutions of power, education, science, medicine. That's the rainbow stuff. But it was also then happening in COVID. I found the National Citizens Inquiry incredibly helpful. You should check it out. The National Citizens Inquiry is sworn testimony from experts who dissented. It's worth looking at. As I was developing the discipline to hear a whistle I didn't naturally come by, I had to ask where I went wrong. What were the lies that I believed that were connected to those actions? How did I act on those lies? Who do I need to apologize to? And I had several people I had to go and apologize to. I handled this wrong. I will never forget Terry Fossner, regional minister, once saying about something completely different, the circle of confession should match the circle of offense. And as I was developing the discipline to hear the whistle and starting to notice where things were going wrong and reflecting on where I had gone wrong, I realized that my circle of offense is sitting in this room with me here because I had led people in the wrong way. And that's why it's a confession Sunday. So here's the confession. I consented to and participated in a system of persecution, mandates, and passports. The government, media, and medicine, and other power players created a two-tiered society. They segregated us. And I willingly joined and operated within that. And for those of us who were around the circle in this time as I was, we had very little understanding of what it was actually like to be in the middle of that circle. This was a system that forced people to choose between a job that provides food and shelter and putting some versus putting something in their bodies. They had to choose. Some of, that, some of them did. And the powerful called it a choice. That's coercion and should be called coercion. And then I participated in that system. So I had a passport, vaccine passport, and I used it. And I have to confess that I participated in a system of persecution at the food court. Because it was convenient. Do you remember that inner and outer circle at the food court? Now those circles are reversed, but anyway. 
I used it to go see my family in Ontario. Remember, we had a baby as like the week COVID hit Red Deer. And we had a baby, which means that our, our family, by the time we had an opportunity to go see them, we were 17, 18 months into to COVID. And I used my passport to go see my family. And I justified that action because I had good motivations. I still participated in the same system. It's the same action as going to the food court. But I deceived myself because I had good motivations because I wanted to see my family. And I wanted them to see our little girl. I've been reflecting a lot on Adam and Eve. Eve passes Adam fruit with the best of intentions. I don't think she was the least bit malicious, but disaster still results. Good intentions do not cancel out participation and involvement in the very sin itself. I participated in something that was wrong. It was evil. And then I justified it. So I didn't speak up. I didn't speak up about those who are scapegoated. This is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. I didn't speak up. And I spoke with derision about that minority that took a different stance. I, and I overlooked their suffering and the injustice of it. And I've noticed that sometimes what people are now doing is saying they didn't suffer because there's been other worst cases of suffering in the world. Well, no kidding. Mothers don't say to their child, oh, you, you broke your arm, but that's not as what I suffered when I birthed you. Right? We don't undermine one kind of suffering because someone else has experienced greater suffering. I followed the world. So this is the next main confession. Every institution of power, everyone, government, media, education, science, medicine, they all went one way. And I believed the messaging without questioning it at all. And it was primarily because I bought the fear factor, though I think there's actually an idolatry behind this as well that I'm not going to get to today. I bought the way that the problem and the solution were presented. And I took the vaccine, I took the vaccine without proper research or reflection. And then you know what happened? Joel and I go up for a coffee. I run into a guy who's coming to our auction as we're auctioning off the stuff at the church. I come to discover he's a medical doctor who wouldn't get vaccinated and therefore lost his job. And we, get, we actually go up for coffee. I said, why, why didn't you get it? What was wrong? And he said, when I read the papers that the vaccine companies had given us about what was in the vaccine, I couldn't do it because I'm pro-life. So now I have something else to repent of. I ignored warnings and warning signs. I ignored the prophets, and we had at least two here at Unity who said, don't get vaccinated. I ignored experts who dissented at great cost and no personal gain. I ignored the fact that some people just said no at great personal cost, as though there wasn't something behind that. I ignored the persecution that was happening on social media. I ignored, this was a huge clue that should have been, the censorship of free speech. It was happening on YouTube, it was happening on Twitter, it was happening on Facebook. It ought to have been a clue. I ignored the fact that the whole world was going one way. 
and all the media backed it. I ignored the warning signs that were incoherent and inconsistent. You know, our, our prime minister is so outspoken about being pro-choice. We will never tell women what to put in their bodies, except when it comes to a vaccine that's completely incoherent. It's inconsistent. But that didn't clue me in that more needed to be pursued because of that. I ignored some of the chess moves. <sighs> I experienced a deliverance after I had COVID. There's a, a spiritual component that goes with this. And I, I will tell you, I, when, I, when I had COVID, and I suddenly had this word come to mind to say leave, and I said leave, something lifted off of my chest. And I rarely talked about that with people. By the way, I'll offer a few caveats here. I'm not saying we can't trust leaders or uh, we should never trust leaders or what scientists say or anything like that. I'm saying we shouldn't do it blindly and that we should be wary of how much fear plays into it. I'm saying that I didn't do my discerning work. So if you get a very bad diagnosis and, and the treatment options are gonna be painful and expensive and all of this, do we not go get a second opinion? first. And see, we didn't go get second opinions because the second opinions during COVID constantly got canceled and censored. And that should have been a clue, another clue. I'm, not, I'm also not saying that I'm automatically against vaccination in principle or medicine in principle, something like that. I'm not suggesting we should return to the times of letting polio go, right? So that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that I now have huge questions about these particular vaccines. But I'll leave that for you to weigh into. I am saying I deceived myself. I deceived myself as I led you because I was under the illusion that uh, we shouldn't be political. And as I was going through my period of repentance, I suddenly realized that's still a political move. There's no such thing as being not political. I just took one side versus another. I deceived myself at times that it's, it's not fear, it's wisdom. I deceived myself, and I, I remember operating out of this believing that people must be physically healthy before they can be spiritually healthy. I actually think that's a lie now. I deceived myself that my motivations were all good. I deceived myself that we were doing everything right and that God was pleased because we as a church were quite blessed in that time. We were, God was moving in some incredible ways. Um, we were seeing signs of his favor. And I took that as affirmation of the position that I had taken and the ways that we had gone about things. I now see that that was not automatically God's approval, but simply that God is gracious and merciful and redeeming, and that he chose not to abandon us in this time, but to work. And he worked with me in spite of my failings. But that doesn't mean that I, even we, don't have things to repent of. I confess I let out of fear. I did it in fear of man, fear of the majority, fear of sickness, particularly for my family, particularly for um, various family members, my dad, grandparents, our newborn. I f though I also feared the government's response to the churches. I feared what was happening in social media and that we would end up there if we went a different way. I feared conflict with those who took a different opinion, the medical community and so on. And I, 
again, I, I said this, I did it in blind faith to the experts in the majority. And I assumed that God would be on the side of the majority, and therefore I didn't inquire of the Lord. And so, out of fear, I led the council in how we would respond. And I take full responsibility for that. I led the council. And I don't hold a single past or present council member responsible for the way that we went. It was my job to lead them. They looked to me, and they took my recommendations. And I discouraged gathering at that time, whether in homes or corporately, often just implicitly by not encouraging us to gather when it was so needed. Aside from the fact that it's actually what Scripture commands. I went with what the world told us. And so I pushed us to stay online and to stay there. And I didn't support people well in isolation. I certainly didn't support people who took a different stance. And I led the church into silence about what was going wrong in the world and about the people who were being hurt. And lastly, I, I participated in the superiority culture that developed around the majority at that time as we looked down our noses at people who are in the middle of the circle and justified our attitudes and our actions towards them. I didn't listen, and I was dismissive because they were just obviously wrong. This is the way I led us. I confess. I am sorry. Please forgive me. That's, um, that is a gift um, for us. I, I, I wanted to get up here and share with Ben in the same spirit of that, that Ben has shared. Um, and uh, I, I want to start it off with um, a, a story uh, in which God uses to, to reveal your heart. I was walking the dog one day and there was two men coming towards me, a younger man and an older man, and they were discussing football. And the older man was talking about the CFL and his love for the CFL. And the younger man just quickly dismissed him and said, oh, you don't, you don't know anything. The NFL, that's where it's at. That's the best players. That's the best football. And the older man kind of put down his head and the younger man went on to tell him why the NFL was superior to the CFL. Sometimes God gives us a gift of which we didn't earn, which we don't deserve, but he gives us something to hold that's actually for everybody else. He gives us gifts so that we're to bless everybody else. And sometimes in our brokenness, we use that gift as a hammer in which to beat people that that gift was given for. And I, I'm not sure why the Lord trusts us with gifts sometimes. Because um, the one thing in this, in this journey that I've seen is that God has revealed my brokenness um, through this last journey in a way that I, I, can't even, I can't even describe. It's bad news beyond bad news. Um, but what he's revealed is that when you get bad news, 
the good news is that much better. And sometimes we use it, and I, and I want to hear to confess that I'm looking out at some people where I've used this, this gift as a hammer on the very people God gave me this gift to release on. He, he trusted me with a gift that I used as a hammer to beat the people that he wanted to bless with. And so I, I, I repent of, of pride, of bitterness, of um, impatience, all which things God never intended for me to use this gift with. But I use this gift, and some of you might have been on the other end of it, where I used it as a hammer, and I, was un, I, was, I wasn't gracious. And I, I was impatient. And you may have heard bitterness, or the accent of bitterness, or the accent of pride, or the accent of, of all the brokenness things inside of me. That we can use this gift in which to harm the people, which the gift is intended for. Uh, and so that I, I ask for forgiveness for, for this church and I repent of it and I repent of my, um, of my wrong attitude towards some of you, my impatience towards some of you, um, of which is, is, is all of mine. It has nothing to do with the gift or the giver of the gift. It, it, it doesn't matter if, the, if, if these guys talk, and he was right about the NFL. I, I don't follow football, but maybe the NFL does get the better players. It, maybe it is the better of the two leagues. But the way that he was telling that guy, I don't think he was convincing him. Um, even though he was right. And so... Um, I think as the Lord has brought me through this journey, what, what this last season revealed was that God, God gave this gift, if we're, if we're talking about the gift that we're talking about of, of, of hearing, a, hearing an accent that didn't sit right, he gave it to the janitors, not to the CEOs. And if he's figuratively given it to the people that don't have the position of authority and don't... It seemed, it was hard uh, for those people. And so I, I, I just, I, I know a lot of you have been hit with a hammer over here. And I, and I just pray that God works through that. And I, I just think as, as, we, as we talk about this, um, and as we go through this, I, I'm praying for reconciliation. That if you were hit with a hammer... Uh, that, 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 you, that you find um, forgiveness. And if you've been hitting with a hammer, that God would reveal it in your heart and you, you would apologize to people that, that you've been hitting with a hammer with something that wasn't ever meant to be a hammer. Um, what, what Ben has been sharing and, and, and what we're hearing, this is a gift for unity. This is a gift for us that God is in his graciousness has said, I'm calling you guys out. I'm calling you guys out of the world. You're going to look different. This is going to cost you. This is a gift in which he's given us. And I, I want to remove my accent from the gift. And I want you guys to see the gift for what it is. I don't want you to hear my accent, my brokenness in this. I want, you to, I want you to see the gift for what it is. I'm going to finish with some scripture. It's scripture that Ben read. And it's scripture that Ben has just lived out. You saw this, this scripture, what I'm about to read, come alive. And so I, I'm going to pray that as I read this, that the Spirit moves on each one of us in, in the ways that we need to hear it, in the ways that we need to live this out. Because this is really, really, really serious stuff. This is like, yeah. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? The amen, the faithful and true witness 
the origin of creation of God says this. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. And I wish that you were hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy and have no need of anything. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to apply to your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and I will dine with him and he with me. To the one who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with him on my throne as I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. To the one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thanks, Joel. I said to you near the beginning, the Lord put 10 exclamation points behind this whistle. By that, I meant the two times that we met and a whistle blew while we were in conversation precisely about the whistle. And as I started writing out, I wrote out this confession or a version of it back months and months ago, and I shared it with the council. And other people started hearing whistles as we were in conversation about the whistle or reading about the whistle to the point where I have, I, I have eight or nine stories uh, of people where a whistle was blown while talking about the whistle. And then this, this past week, I, I got a story of the women being at, the, uh, at my office and um, there's a women's group meeting at, on Tuesday night and people are going around the circle sharing um, just what God's been saying to them, what he's been doing. This is Tuesday. So we, we shared this word about the whistle last Sunday. And, and Ellie D'Andrade, who, whose permission I have to share this story, says uh, when it's her turn, I've been asking the Lord to, to speak to me and guide my, my Bible reading each day. And on Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember what day it was, she said, uh, the Lord said, Isaiah. So she flips to Isaiah and says, what chapter, Lord? And he says, seven. You know what seven verse 18 says? On that day, the Lord himself will whistle. And she immediately connects it with Sunday. Ten exclamation points. And I needed a whole bunch of exclamation points because I was following the world. If you don't hear the whistle, that's okay. But you need to hear the whistle. God's made that pretty clear. The path might be different. I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be Revelation, Bonhoeffer, Rainbow, etc. that's going to lead you there. You're going to have to do your part of the homework. Your, God, God will be faithful as you develop the discipline to hear the whistle. But he's let us know as a community that it's very important. It is not to be dismissed. That, that phrase, 
How I mentioned last week, and Joel repeated it just now in Revelation 3, says, let anyone with ears to hear, listen. Every time that is said in Scripture, it is always an injunction, an urging that if you don't have ears to hear, get them now. Because it is possible. And I am an example of how it is possible because I was on both sides of that whistle parable. First, I was the guy that did not hear the whistle. And I do hear it now. It can be done. Repentance is a crucial part of learning to hear the whistle. So ask. In fact, I challenge us as unity. Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday. It's the beginning of Lent. I challenge you to take Lent and ask the Lord every day, where did I go wrong in COVID? What do I have to repent of? Why did I go that way? What do you have to say to me, Lord? How can I confess and repent Help me hear what you want me to hear. Let's pray. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way and he guides the humble in what is right. Psalm 25. That is my prayer for us, Lord that we would experience your goodness and your guidance as we humble ourselves and seek you. As Joel alluded to, Lord, would you please remove all of the stuff that's been in Joel that gets in the way? And would your good stuff remain that your people might bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Be blessed, friends. Have a great week.